be referring at some point to that Luke passage we read. So we're singing that song, um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I was thinking of uh, babies. If I had a baby here this morning and was holding a baby and said, uh, would you like to hold it? Probably anybody would go, oh, how sweet, how lovely, and, and be quite willing probably to hold the child. Um, the Christmas story is so is so familiar that God so loved the world that he sent his son that this baby was born. And he has a little nativity scene, the baby born in Bethlehem. Uh, something that was very harmless, very innocent, very um, non-threatening. And how do you get from this place to this place in 33 years? From a place of non-threatening innocence to a place of brutality and murder. That the one who was welcomed as a baby, well, he wasn't really welcomed as a baby because the king Herod, when he was welcomed as a baby, was threatened by the, the, uh, the, the rumors of a king being born and had all the, the males of Jesus' age killed. There was a lot of blood around his birth. There was a lot of blood around his death. When we talk about God, what do we talk about? Quite often, you have a conversation with people and they say, um, in fact, I actually happened to catch on the CBC or somewhere last night, uh, the a documentary on J.K. Rowland of, of, who wrote the, you know, the, uh, what did he, Harry, Harry Potter. And, somebody, and they said to her at one point, they said to her, do you believe in God? And she, she sort of said, I, I, I think I do, but I have a lot of questions, which is fair enough. And a lot of people talk about believing in God. And if I'm God, I, I, I kind of go, well, thank you very much. Because believing in God in and of itself is, is, is like pathetic. Don't you think? Not really. You don't know where I'm going. You don't trust me anymore. I know that. Um, that's okay. Believing in God is pathetic if it doesn't believe, go somewhere. I believe in ice cream, so I have ice cream. I believe in Coca-Cola. No, I don't really. But, you know, what, what, what you believe in doesn't make any difference unless it, unless it activates you into something that you do. And very often when you're talking about God to people, and I often ask the question to somebody, because I love talking to people about God, particularly those who are hostile to God. I just love that. You want to have a chat? Or, oh. I, you know, in terms of asking people about God, I'll often say to them, what, tell me about the God you don't believe in. Tell me about the God that you're really angry with. Tell me about the God that you say, I don't believe in God because He allows this to happen. And I just ask them to tell me about this God that you, they're so angry with or so disappointed in. And I often say, where do you get your information from? And what usually happens is they've projected a whole lot of lies onto God and then believe it to be true and then reject it. They say, that's not God. 
I mean, you made that God up. That's the God that you come to terms with when you live in this world and you say, how can God allow this all to happen? And then you start saying, I don't believe in God because he allows this to happen. And God says, excuse me, that's rather like you having your bedroom and you do what you like in it and then you blame me for you messing it up. And so Christmas is about a God. And this is why every time in the, in the, in the Bible you hear of angels appearing to human beings. There's some news here that's not so cool. Or it is cool depending which side of the fence you are. But what happens if God isn't this sort of um, dumb waiter who sits around saying, I hope you believe in me? What happens if God isn't a statue? What happens if God isn't a theory? What happens if God isn't a... A crutch. What happens if his existence is totally independent of what you think? What happens if he's true and he moves? What happens if he's real? And what happens if he says, there's only one question here that's actually worth asking, and that is, do you follow me? Do you, do you know me or don't you? Because one day I'm going to be asking that question, particularly when you die. I mean, what happens if God says you need a little fear in you? That this life is actually not yours. It's a gift. You had nothing to do with being born. You'll have very little to do probably with dying. And you're going to be asked the question, so what have you done with this? I don't know why I'm going there. That sounds too hostile and aggressive for Christmas. But maybe what I'm leading up to is that... I want to inspire you. I want to make you salivate. I want you to be hungry for God. I want you to recognize what's, what's, if this isn't the stance of, well, I don't know if I believe in Him or not. What about, well, if, he, if there is a God, how could I know Him? That cross is not Canadian. It's not politically correct. If Jesus had been Canadian, he probably wouldn't have gone to the cross. In fact, if he had been any citizenship in many parts of the world, he probably wouldn't have gone to the cross. God isn't politically correct. Do you know that there is no revelation of God being loving, of God caring about you at all? There is no revelation of God being somebody who forgives people when they've done wrong. There's no revelation of God being personal. There's no revelation of God healing. There's no revelation of God caring about truth or kindness or goodness or peace or joy. There is no revelation of God being interested or participating in any of those qualities in any other faith other than in Christianity and in Jesus. Every other faith in the world talks about what human beings have to do to try and get to God and appease God, whoever He is, because God isn't He or God is it in every other religion. If you want the most brainless, idiotic, non-intellectual way of living life, I'm going to provoke you, then believe in pluralism and believe that nothing matters and everybody can go wherever they want and believe what they want. 
If you want to take your brain and throw it in the trash can, that's what you will conclude. It is absolute nonsense. And why is it nonsense? Because Jesus came and said, I am God, the revelation of God. I refute that every single way leads to God or reveals God. And so Jesus came as a gift from God to say, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am proof that God is real, that He loves, that He cares. And I just throw down the gauntlet to any of you who are still saying, oh, it's just one of many options. If Jesus is one of many options, then I would say Jesus is the... uh, what, he's the Porsche. And if you can drive a Porsche, why would you take a Volkswagen? He is the greatest revelation of God the world has ever seen. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is not about, oh, this, this is just one celebration of many. This is where God says, I am. So, no, it was an unexpectedly passionate introduction to a gentle story. If God were going to visit, if God was going to come into, into the earth and say, okay, I'm real, how would he do it? How would you do it if you were God? I always like to say God is unbelievable. There's some people who say, well, I don't believe in the virgin birth and I don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. I believe he was a good person and he had set a good example And what they do is they strip everything unbelievable out of Jesus and then say he was just another historical figure and I don't believe in that anyway. God is unbelievable. If God is real, he's totally unbelievable. That's what makes me so believe in him. Because I figure if you believe that God created the world, behind the Big Bang was a banger. If you you understand that behind this, this creation... And you will never hear me talking about creation. I will never speak about creation and I will never speak about the end times because I think it's totally irrelevant. All you need to say is there's a cause and there's a personal God behind it and in the end he's going to wrap it up. Beyond that, how he does it, I don't know. I'm not going to spend my life fixating on it. I think there's enough challenge in the present. So God creates. Where am I going with this? I haven't got a clue. Let me get back to this because I want to... You see, what I'm really trying to to set up, I think, by accident or, or intent, I'm not quite sure, is God is not passive, objective, distant. God is not standing on a shelf somewhere saying, please admire me. God is active. He's alive. Pay attention, Emery. This is for you. And I want to encourage you because, you know, there are many of us who want to know God, but we actually uh, think every time we get afraid or nervous, it can't be God. So I want to introduce you to Mary. We talked about Joseph last week. About 2,000 years ago, this teenage girl was getting ready for her wedding. They, they got married in those days, by the way. Um, 
They committed to one another for life. A novel idea. Of course, they only lived till they were about 40, so marriages were easy to sustain. <laughs> now we've got a little trouble sometimes. They didn't have midlife crises. I guess the midlife crisis was about 25. Well, that's my rationalization for a screwed up life anyway. Anyway, Mary's preparing for a wedding to Joseph. So Joseph's busy building that, you know, whatever he's building, uh, maybe on his folks' house, because that's what they did very often. And they've got the plans for the wedding. And then, and as a good, a good Jewish girl, God, please bless this, bless, bless, bless this, bless our arrangements, bless what we're doing. And they were faithful. Until one day, Mary is minding her own business, and an angel appears to her. Now, five months before this, let's just back up, five to six months before this, her cousin Elizabeth has had a pretty big story to tell about what happened to her because her husband was going into the temple and he was serving in the Holy of Holies and an angel appeared to him and he nearly freaked completely. And the angel said to him, he said, uh, you're going to have a son. You and Elizabeth are going to have a child and his name is going to be John. And he couldn't believe He said, me? <laughs> it was unbelievable because he was old and he didn't think it was possible. In fact, it wasn't possible. Just want to give you a little alert here. If you want to know a God uh, who is always understandable and is always accessible through your logic and is always, well, God wouldn't do that, then your God is going to be too small and rather boring. He's probably going to be made in your image. And so God spoke through an angel to Zechariah and Elizabeth and said, you will have a son and his name will be John. And Zechariah tried to argue with the angel and the angel said, because you argued with me, he doesn't mess around. He just says, you won't talk for the next nine, six, for three months. How would that be? And so Elizabeth was six months pregnant when the angel was given another task, go and talk to Mary. And so he comes to Mary to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings to you, you are highly favored. We're going to mess up your plans. I don't feel highly favored right now. I'm actually terrified. And so he says, Don't be afraid. Because actually every time God appears through angels to people, he always says, Chill. It's all right. I'm not going to kill you. People are afraid when they encounter the reality of God. I'm trying to say one thing, maybe two today. God is on the move and God is a God of encounter. There are a lot of people who talk about God and there are a lot of people who have an opinion about God but they've never encountered or been encountered by Him. And you and I have the wonderful opportunity of changing that today. He can encounter you right now if you want him to. Because he's always here. He's always saying, I'm here for you. 
open your mind and open your heart to see what happens. And Mary was frightened. And God gave her reassurance and said, You are highly favored. And there was a strange response from Mary where she says, that, where, where we hear, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The greeting was, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Most of us, if not all of us, when you come into a possible encounter with God, experience of God, will go into a place of inadequacy and fear, will go into a place of terror. You know, the, I told you about a woman in Parksville who, who came into the church and has been thrilled by what she's seen because she's heard testimonies of God healing. She's seen God working in other people's lives. And there's another family who's left because of that. Because they'd rather have Bible studies and talk about it than engage. And you can't please everyone. That's why Jesus was crucified. You can't please everyone. There's a cost for everything. And the cost on Christmas was a couple called Joseph and Mary were asked if God could disturb their plans and shake their lives and make their lives something that they had no idea would ever be. I've got J.K. Rowling in mind just because it was what I watched last night and just that phrase I've just said, you know, they, they took her to her original apartment where she wrote the first book uh, somewhere in Edinburgh and she walked in there and just cried because 10 years ago she was penniless on welfare and writing this book and she said, I cannot believe what's happened in the last 10 years. It's like a dream. She's now one of the richest women in England. And I believe that's a picture actually of what Jesus and God wants to do for every single person. He wants to say, I want you to know that I have some unbelievable things for you if you will let me draw close to you. You see, what happened in that first uh, Christmas, that, that encounter with Mary and Joseph and the fact they had dreams and they met angels and God said, I want to do in your life something that you never dreamt was possible. Will you let me? That was the beginning of a God who through Jesus began to say every human being is invited to that encounter. From this time on, everyone is invited to that encounter which will be, can I be born in you and can I release in you what you never knew you could ever carry? And that was Mary's, Mary's dilemma. Mary uh, was met this angel and, and she was greatly troubled. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And I would say to you this morning that one of the things God the Father wants to speak to every single one of us and always wants to say this to us is do not be afraid. 
you have found favor with me. Not because of your behavior. Not because you impress me. It's just because I created you. I am your God. I am one who wants to be known as Father, not as God, by the way. And no matter what you've done, you'll always find favor with me because I can't reject you. You're my child. God always starts from that place. And we can walk away, we can reject it, but for the voice of God that Jesus came to reveal is one who always says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with me. I am your long-lost father. Could stop there and go on all day, but we just, just think about that. Many of us have father issues. And God the Father says, I can heal those issues. I'll restore to you what fathers have robbed you of in many, many cases. And I will complete in you what no humanly father can give you anyway, which is the love that is profoundly deep. And so Mary was, was greeted with this, by this angel saying, don't be afraid, you have found favor. And then he said, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus and he will be great and we will call the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will, ever, will never end. I mean, what the angels said to Mary was just totally beyond what anybody could absorb. God is going to birth in you his son, the king of kings, who, who will reign forever. I don't think Mary had a clue. But God gave her enough. I mean, the angel was enough. Oh, you are true. And he gave her these words, and, and because she was probably, she was Jewish, she would have some idea of what was being spoken of. And she would have known the Old Testament scriptures and she would have known something about the prophecies about the Messiah. And this unbelievable God was coming right down, focusing in this, in this one girl and she said one thing and she said, how can this be? I am a virgin. She probably could have thought, my folks are never going to believe me. Joseph is going to divorce me without, before even... Who, who is going to believe me when I start showing that I'm pregnant and I say there's no guy around the corner? You think God won't mess up your life? You think God won't actually create a little awkwardness in your life? Don't deal with God if you don't want some awkwardness. Don't deal with God if you don't want some disturbance. Because don't forget, all the disturbance is just us controlling our own lives. That's all it is. It's all, of, it's all it is is, is, is rigid people not wanting to flex with God because we've got so used to doing our own thing. When God comes in, we don't know how to flex. We're that insecure. God is a big deal. And it's like we're stuck like this and he says, let's dance. And you go, I don't know how to do that. 
And so he's got to teach us how to relax and how to move. He starts saying, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Let me hold you. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. And all of us are on a journey of learning what that means. What's it like to dance with a father rather than wrestle with a God who's abstract? God is incredibly boring without Jesus. It's religion. And Mary certainly wasn't bored at this moment. She said, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he said, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. So God reveals himself to Mary in in the form of an angel she probably has some background in terms of believing there's a Messiah coming, but she didn't realize how it was going to come, and certainly not through me. And then he says, see Elizabeth, your relative, you know what's happened to her, that's a miracle. I'm giving you a sign that this is not your imagination. And you know, God will do that. If you want to see God working in your life, he will always align what he's doing with the scriptures, with the Bible. And he will always and very often give you support from those around you. He will affirm it in other ways. One of the biggest dangers we have in this culture right now is we think that we're an island and God's just going to speak to me on my own and then I'm going to announce the revelation. And people look at you and go, oh my word. How come you're hearing God about this but you can't even get your life together? That's why he calls us into relationship. It's called humility and it's called interdependence. It's very healthy. And so he gave to Mary some connection points that would help her go, this must be true or this could be true. But Mary's first response and very understandable response was, how could this be? Because I am who I am. I'm nothing. And then... She hears about Elizabeth and, God's, and, and the angel says God can do what God can do virtually. And she says, okay, go ahead. She had no idea what lay ahead. She had no idea that they would have to flee to Egypt after the baby was born to keep him safe. She had no idea that she was going to bring up this child who was going to become the savior of the world. She would have probably freaked right out if she knew she was going to be called the Virgin Mary and made an icon. She was like, oh, no, please, that's one thing I won't agree to. You know, Mary only became an icon in the Catholic Church in the, tw- in the 10th century, 11th century. It was during the Romantic period of history where the knights in shining armor went to rescue the maiden who's in the tower and lets down her hair and he climbs up and rescues her. That's when Mary became an icon in the Catholic Church. It's heresy. I'm not anti-Catholic, I'm just saying it's heresy. Nothing is to be worshipped other than Jesus. He didn't trade space for his mother. He loves his mother, but she's not the Son of God. Work it out. Worship of the Virgin Mary in a church that speaks about celibacy and you've got some issues. Human beings are incredibly able to distort the good things God gives and twist it into something that becomes nonsense 
And it's always about taking away center stage, which is Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. So where do we end with this this morning? What's the message for us? Because I'm not doing a history lesson. God's not interested. He's not interested in us. Imagine if you had a birthday and all they did, we came up here. It's, it's Elaine's birthday today, by the way. I don't know if it's anybody else's birthday. But imagine, <laughs> I'm going to use it as an illustration. It's inspired Elaine. I wasn't planning on this. But you can stay there. I won't embarrass you. But imagine anymore. Um, imagine we had Elaine come up here and all we did was talk about the time she was conceived and the day she was born. I mean, how exciting would that be for her and for us? And that's sometimes what we do with God and Jesus. We keep him stuck in that darn manger. And he's not in that manger anymore. He's here. He, went, he grew up and he spoke about who God is. He revealed it. He did miracles. He was actually nailed to the cross because people couldn't handle the fact that he was saying God is real and alive and you're not the one in charge. Human beings don't like to be told that they're not God. Do you know that? Look in your own heart. We'd use other words like, you know, you work it out. You work out what kind of words you use to maintain your kingdom and your independence. And I'm in charge. Thank you very much. We just sidestep through, I don't believe that. I think he's arrogant. I think the messenger should be shot. I mean, we can think of all kinds of reasons why we justify our own being God. And so we kill Jesus very politely. Indifference kills him. Apathy kills him. Pride kills him. Judgment kills him. Religion kills him. But what I'm wanting to encourage you today is that Jesus went to the cross and he, he, he rose from the dead and he poured out his spirit to say, every single person on earth, because of what I have done, is invited into an encounter with me, just like Mary had. And what God wants to say really, and I've got it taking a long time to get there, what he wants to say to you and to me today is, is there room in your heart for me? Now, you might have said, yes, I've, I've been tracking with Jesus for 30 years. Well, all he's doing today is saying, could I get out of the box you put me in? I know it's really cozy in your house, but I'm really stifled. I'd like to be invited into more. Because he's incredibly good. And he's really trying to say, you have no idea what I have for you. Do not be afraid. So look at your own heart right now and where does fear rise up? Because I'm actually talking now about a personal encounter with Jesus. Now. Because in the story there, he wandered through the streets and his father Joseph knocked on the door and they said, there's no room here, there's no room here, there's no room here. And... He's just wondering how much room there is here right now. He's knocking on your door. And one of the first things, if you've still got a bit of a God complex, is, well, I'm not going to let him in because I want to keep control. I'm not, I'm, I'm not wanting to let him in because I wasn't planning on this kind of encounter this morning. I just came to check this place out. God couldn't really care of the motive. He just says, I love you and I'm knocking on your door and I'm daring you to reject me. I want you to reject me, but I want you to accept me. I want you to make a decision. 
and I'm taking the initiative because that's the kind of God I am. I've been hanging around you for a long time and I'm impatient and I'm really glad that you know me but I want to know you better and I want you to relinquish control. That's what Mary and Joseph had to do. They had to say, yes, you can mess up my plans and he just wants to know if he can mess up your life a little bit for fun. I don't know what that means. I just know that if you let God mess around with your life, it's much more fun than holding it all yourself. We've all tried that. So the one thing he's doing is he's knocking on your door saying, can I come in or can I have some more room? Will you let me go? All right? The other thing, and he's also saying behind that, don't be afraid. So if you're afraid, just say, Lord, I'm afraid. I'm terrified. I don't trust you. Look what you did to Mary and Joseph. And he says, well, look what you're doing to yourself. I wouldn't trust you if I were you. You made more of a mess than I'll ever make. You're still looking for love in all the wrong places. You're still doing tricks. You're still doing all kinds of things. I'm easier to trust than you. But that'll take time. So he's saying, don't be afraid. He's knocking on the door. And then there's a third thing he's saying, and that is what we're saying, because I say it, and I'm sure you do. And you just go like, Mary, how can this be? I want to invite you to dare to believe in the unbelievable. What happens if God the Father, through Jesus right now, is saying to you, I have got some gifts and a life for you that would be unbelievable to your ears if you could hear it now. But there's only one way for you to find out what that is, and that is to say, Lord, I want that as well. Make me pregnant. Give me a fresh encounter with you. I give you my heart, not my head, because my head can't get over this thing. But I just give you permission and say, Lord, will you grow in me, because some things are already planted, will you grow in me what you see and what you would like to have grow in me? And I just give you my fear and I give you my control and I give you my plans and I just go... I trust that you're able to do exceedingly more than I could ask or imagine. Because I promise you one thing, and I really do promise this with all my heart, and I, I try and live out what I'm talking to you about. So I'm not speaking theory, but I promise you with everything in me that if you could see what God is planting in you and releasing and wanting to release in you today, you would be absolutely blown away. You would be like J.K. Rowland who would stand there and say, I cannot believe that this is where I was and this is where I am. God the Father wants to nurture you, love you, release things in you that will bring a life not only to you but to others. But you've got to take a risk. So, let's listen to a song because we gave Joe and... Opening it could change your life. You know, the crude example is conception. Five minutes and the rest of the world, you know, it's 80 years.
So responding and saying, Jesus, will you come? Will you release yourself in me? Can have incredible implications. Let's stand. Because right now, that's what God's doing. He's knocking on the door. He's knocking on the door for some of us to to say, can I come in? He's knocking on the door to say, I don't expect you to, to understand everything. I don't expect you to believe everything. I don't expect your mind to get around it. But I will speak to your heart. And Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will just touch our hearts right now. And I speak against fear of God in the name of Jesus. And I break the fear of God that sits in many of us. We got stuck with you somewhere, Lord, and we get, we, we get afraid of going any further. We just say, wherever fear is present, I command it to go in the name of Jesus. The lies of fear. The lies that if we give you more, you're going to abuse us. That if we give you more, you're going to make our lives miserable. And I release the truth that the love of the Father, when He's released in us, makes our lives come alive. Gives them purpose and meaning. And so He knocks on the door and says, Is there room in your heart for me? In a deeper way than you've ever known before. And you can say yes or no right now. Yes or no right now. And there's others of us where God, the Father in Jesus, is knocking on other doors inside our heart and saying, can I go further in you? We've got stuck. I'm claustrophobic in you right now. Because I'm meant to be God and you've become God again. And you say you believe in me and you say you contain me and I'm in you. But I cannot move in you because you won't let me. And I'm asking you to not be afraid and to let me birth in you things that you never imagined. Could I change your future? Could I change your plans? Could you trust me with your life? You tell him. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you that you regard her as alive and that you take initiatives. That's why one of the pictures of Jesus is the shepherd. And the shepherd goes out looking for his sheep and he looks for the sheep that are lost. And when he finds that sheep, he rejoices and he picks that sheep up and he takes it back to be with the flock because he says that no human being should ever live alone. He's jealous for you. He will pursue you and me to the rest of our lives. He's relentless because he loves you so much. He's got much, much more for you than you can ask or imagine. It's exciting. And as that song said, I'm just a girl, I'm nothing. And he says, that's okay. I'm good at making nothing something. That's what I do. He also wants to heal people. He wants to show you that he cares and that he knows. There are a few words of knowledge I'll share with you. If anybody wants to be prayed for, if you want to be prayed for, this to be real for you, just during the last song, come up to the 
my left hand side, your right hand side and somebody will pray with you because we, we, we want to have lots of prayer for one another which is just saying, yes, Lord, we agree. Will you do in us what we can't do ourselves? Somebody with a, a tooth problem and a left molar, the Lord says he can heal that. There's somebody with a problem with a kneecap. I don't really know what, anything about that, but I'm just saying if you've got problems in the kneecap area, God seems to know about that and says he'd like to heal you. Somebody's got headaches, and headaches are common, but this one's in the forehead, and it's... Uh, he just wants to minister to you. You see, He loves you and he, lo- he wants us to know that He knows us deeply and intimately. Somebody with respiratory issues, lungs, He wants to minister to you. Healing. A little voice in your head will always say, no, 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 no. That's just lies. Somebody with deafness in the left ear, and there's somebody with hopelessness, a sense of hopelessness. Nobody else knows about this hopelessness. It's a hidden hopelessness deep in you. You carry it as a secret. And the Lord just says, I know your secret. I know you feel hopeless, but I've come to release that. I want to release you into hope. That's my gift to you this Christmas. Because God the Father sees you and he says, I love you. I'm for you, not against you. I'll even make you a little afraid if it'll get your attention, but my motive is that you would come into a deeper place of security. So may I, this Christmas, birth in you gifts that you can unwrap for the rest of your life. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, to take these words and apply them as you will. And as we just... uh, We're going to sing a song called Oh Happy Day, but we do want to just also pray comfort for Fred and Glenda and their family because Fred lost his mother this week, Joyce. And Oh Happy Day is a good song to sing in memory of Joyce because she's at home and she had a long life. And we're going to celebrate her life on the 3rd of January at 1 o'clock here. But Father, we just pray that right now you minister your comfort to Fred and Glenda and their family. And we just thank you for Joyce. We thank you for the memory of her. We thank you for the incredible life she lived. And all that has been a legacy, that is a legacy, that lives on. And so we just pray comfort and joy for Fred and Glenda and their family. Blessing on them. And we pray for one another that we wouldn't walk out of this place avoiding you, Jesus. I really pray that in Jesus' name. Some of us have habit patterns. We just shut down and we go away and we never respond when God says, here I am. And I just urge you, don't miss out. So Holy Spirit, bless you for what you're doing and let's sing our happy day. And if you want prayer, please come up to the front. Amen.